All right, this is Jared with Lefty Precision Rifle Podcast again, and my guest this time around is Michael Beamer. So everybody knows him around here as Beamer, so that's probably what I'll end up calling him, but Beamer, you want to give us a little background? Who are you? What do you do? Um, well, like I said, uh, my name's Mike Beamer. Um, I uh, like to shoot some guns and put on some matches for other people to get to shoot their guns. I uh, am the director of the Kansas Precision Rifle Club. And uh, in 2020, I uh, am the match director for three national level matches, two of which we've already got done with this year and one coming up. The first one, uh, well, what was supposed to be the first one of the year was the Southwind Shootout Precision Rifle Series two-day match. And then uh, I was co-match director for the uh, Punisher Positional uh, PRS match at uh, Severance Training Center. And uh, the next match I have coming up on September 5th and 6th is the Box Canyon Showdown at uh, Twin Peaks Rifle Club with uh, Ryan Moltz is my co-match director for that. Yeah, it definitely seems like you, you've been busy here lately putting on matches more than you've been shooting. Yeah, that's been the struggle. I've, uh, on top of the, uh, uh, the national level matches, I've been the match director for pretty much all of the uh, monthly club matches at uh, Severance Training Center in Conway Springs. So it keeps me busy. I don't have very many free weekends. <laughs> yeah, I know you definitely did. In fact, you just shot a two-day match, what, last weekend or week before? Did pretty good? Uh, two weeks ago, I went to uh, Vapor Trail Valley in Missouri and shot Tom Jacobs' uh, match, the uh, Steel Siege, uh, presented by Bushnell Elite Tactical. Um, and uh, I shot all right. I wanted to do better uh, at that one, but I, uh, I managed to do uh, come away with a ninth-place finish overall for a two-day match. It's not bad, considering I hadn't hadn't got to shoot my gun since uh, June 1st before that. So I was felt a little bit rusty on day one. Yeah, yeah, I definitely wouldn't think that was too bad. I was watching, I was watching the results and saw you on there. And yeah, I, I know you don't get to shoot nearly as much as half of us, but when you do, you definitely uh, definitely put it down, that's for sure. Uh, I try. I've been doing this precision rifle thing for – Oh, about five years, sort of seriously now. I think that's kind of when we, about, I think 2015 is when we first started the KPRC. And uh, that's when I started to compete a little bit more seriously is when we, when we got the, the points race up and running. And then I finally built my first uh, custom rifle in the end of 2017 and uh, that, I think, kind of helped step up my game. I was getting into a, a real custom. Yeah, that seems like fact, I wanted to cover some of that. What, what did you start shooting? Did you start shooting a Savage? Well, so if we're going to go back to the way back with the beginning, my very first match I ever shot uh, was with a Palmetto State Armory AR-15. Um, and uh, I had a uh a simmons two to ten power duplex reticle 
quarter quarter inch per click uh, oh. turrets. <laughs> and uh, my very first match, I went out with uh, Ryan Cheney. He's the one who kind of got me uh, uh, into all this craziness, which you ought to interview him too because he's part of the beginnings of the Kansas Precision Rifle Club and, and all of this stuff that we enjoy now in Kansas. But uh, I started hanging out with him. I, I didn't grow up with guns. Um, I didn't own – well, I didn't buy my first gun until 2013, I think. And then um, there was just a pistol. And then uh, I started getting into – getting into guns and wanting to shoot and uh uh ryan had his uh ftw coding business up and up and running at the time and uh i started hanging out with him and he was starting to get into the long range stuff and had went and shot um a match and taken a class at spear point ranch with uh adam white cotton i believe and um he started talking me into it and I bought a I bought an AR-15, not really with the plans of shooting long range with it, and uh, then started trying to sort of adapt it to uh, to shooting uh, precision rifle matches, and never really did all that well. But uh, my very first match, didn't know a damn thing what I was doing. Uh, I had watched the. Uh, Magpul Dynamics Precision Long Range uh, DVD. I'd like downloaded a pirated copy of it, <laughs> and uh, and uh, like that was where most of my uh, my information came from back then of how to shoot uh, long range stuff. And went out to this very first match. Um, Ryan had uh, cooked up a uh, 77 grain uh, Sierra Match King load that shot in my rifle and uh, buddy, uh, our, our buddy Clint Williams, his, his AR-15 that shot pretty well is about a one MOA, roughly, maybe one and a half MOA gun at, at 100 yards. So I went to Spear Point and um, I won't drag it out much longer than I need to, but look, at the end of the day, I walked away with two impacts for the whole match. Yeah. I, took dead, I took dead last. And I had spent what felt like to me a bunch of money to get there. And at the end of the day, I was like, this is dumb. Um, I'm not, not, I'm not, I'm never going to do this again. This is, was a complete waste of time. And then we went down to Steve's uh, 400 the 1400 yard uh, known distance range. And we started playing around down there where I could actually like see where I was missing on the, the berms and whatnot. And I think I made some impacts with that AR out to like six or 700 yards that day. And that was what hooked me. So that's what, that's what kind of got me locked in. And then uh, I made a few more upgrades to the AR <clears throat> but then I ended up uh, buying a, a Savage 10T um, 308 was my first bolt gun, and um, you know it had the the little plastic uh, stock on it and that 10 round 
crappy Savage magazines. And uh, I, know, I know you know all about that because you had a Savage tier, I remember. I did, yep. And uh, um, the gun actually shot pretty well. And uh, I ended up upgrading on the Savage. I, I uh, put a... Uh, a Burris XTR2 um, 4 to 20 um, scope on it. And when I finally got a decent scope on the thing, I actually started to do pretty well in the matches. And there was a couple of spear point matches that I took it to where I would be like the top 308 shooter. And I think I actually managed a top 10 at spear point with, uh, with the 308. It was probably my best performance of that. Damn, nice. But that was kind of like the beginnings of, of how I started shooting this, uh, this, this precision rifle matches. And, and uh, it's just all been downhills from there, depending on how you, how you want to look at it. But yeah, I'm yeah. Tell- My bank account has gone further and further down, and the, and the, and the busyness has gotten more and more since then. Yeah, tell me about it. That was, I told my story once on here, and I think you even heard it that you were the one to blame yeah. for my bank account going down and everything else. Because yeah. yeah, you're you're set up now, which we'll we'll get into. But. I want everybody to start the hashtag uh, blame Beamer for uh, <laughs> for all the problems I've caused here in Kansas for people's bank accounts, and I don't know. I think it's worth it though. The people in this sport are awesome. I came uh, before I got into guns and, and precision rifle shooting. I was big into uh, drag racing, and um, I kind of got a little bit burned out from that crowd. You know, I grew up doing that since I was sixteen, and got a little bit burned out because some of the people that tend to run around in, in that situation uh, just weren't. Which just weren't that pleasant to be around, you know. So not all of them. Most people are great, but it just got also a very expensive hobby. And uh, you know, guns in general are kind of similar. Everything for every hobby seems to be uh, expensive, no matter what you do. For a guy, I don't know. Maybe they need to get into quilting or something like that. <laughs> Safety, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I shared my story. That's where the whole blame beamer part come in. Is yeah, spear point had that savage kind of the same story you had. I think I had like twenty impacts or something that day, and you had like five rounds left over. Shot some coyotes. Was able to watch trace and everything else. So yeah, I, I definitely have you to blame or to thank one or the other for uh, <laughs> for getting me hooked because it, it was all downhill from there. But like you said. Yeah. It's, it's been great. People helping me out. You've helped me out a ton. Derek Love. I mean, I could, I could rattle off a whole slew of people that have been nothing but helpful. So, Yeah, I just – I learned that business model from drug dealers. The first the first hit is free, <laughs> and then, then you're hooked after that. You got yep. Keep sticking it in the vein. <laughs> yeah, definitely, it definitely got me, and that's, that's what I've talked about. We'll, we'll get into your, your rifle setup here in a sec, but I basically copied what you had. I tried to go exactly the same, but I couldn't get my left-handed Curtis, so. I ended up going a different route with the impact, but yeah, I basically copied exactly what you had because that day shooting off rocks and be able to see the impact and not looking at the clouds after the recoil. Like it was, it was, it was crazy. So. Yeah. I don't think people realize how much of a difference 
a properly set up uh, rifle can make. Now, there's getting to be a lot of the factory rifle options have that adjustability and have some of the features that you want into shooting these these matches, like 10-round magazines, you know, being able to put a muzzle brake on it, that sort of stuff, and adjustable uh, comb height, length of pull, all those things are super, super important for being able to fit the gun to you. I mean, it's just like a pair of shoes. If you go to the store, you got to try on a few pairs of shoes to find one that fits you the best. And, you know, or like, you know, if you wanted to compare it to a, a tailored suit, could be like uh, a custom rig to where you get it to match you exactly in every shape and way. And, man, it just makes a difference. It really helps. But you don't have to have the best thing in order to start out shooting these things. So it's just, uh, no. I, I try to tell people that are interested in getting into the sport that if they have a rifle, shoot it. If you don't have a rifle, come out and to come out to a few matches and, and watch and uh, get a feel for what you think you might need. And uh, you know, you don't have to spend a fortune to come out and have fun and be competitive. Now, if you want, if your competitive nature makes you want to win then you might have to shell out a few bucks because there's just no other way around it. It's an investment of time and money to, to win matches, especially with how competitive everybody is getting. And, you know, these matches, I keep setting them up more and more difficult and uh, people keep hitting more and more targets. So it's, uh, it's, it's really cool to see how much it has grown here in Kansas, you know, since we all started this. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's really neat to see, to, uh, see everybody's growth in the sport. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think we're in a pretty cool spot because right here in the Midwest, you got so many different companies that are just precision rifle based that you get to meet a lot of the owners and, and really shoot a lot of local stuff that you're shooting with people that are making the stuff that you're shooting. So I think we actually get a little bonus being in the Midwest and having the guys in Kansas city and Oklahoma all these guys making the custom stuff for precision rifle right now. Pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we've got one of the best, um, bipod makers here, right in, in Wichita. Yep. Uh, that's uh, BNT industries who also happens to be the title sponsor for the Fox Canyon showdown for the, the tens of the listeners. We'll get a good, uh, that we got going on here. We'll get the, uh, get a good promotion for them. That's right. so, I'm, I'm writing all these guys down so I can tag them, tag them on the uh, post when I post this thing up. But yeah, BNT. I, I, I run a, I run an Atlas uh, PSR bipod on, uh, on my gun, and I'm very happy with the Atlas. It uh, has all the features that I look for for shooting precision rifle matches, and none of the extra doodads and stuff that uh, that I don't need. Yeah, same here. Yeah, I'm shooting a BNT. They sponsor. Oh, they sponsor a lot of those single stages, the, the precision stage, one shot stages at almost, well, the majority of the, the national matches that you'll see. Yeah, I got, I got one of these. I got one of those from uh, Springport right there. Yeah, I think about dead center. It was pretty close. How far was that one? 
Uh, it was like 175 yards or something like that. Dick, jeez, that's crazy. 170, some kind of in the ballpark of that. Man. That's the closest I've ever got. I think some of it was luck, but <laughs> yeah. you know, I've shot those cards, you know, probably a half a dozen times, and <laughs> there's been some other ones that were pretty ugly. So, yeah. <laughs> so speak, speaking of your setup, what what is your uh, rifle setup right now? What are you currently shooting? So I've got a uh, well, it's a, a Chamberlain Six Dasher <clears throat> by a, a D2 Precision, Derek Dornbush. Uh, it is a Curtis Custom Axiom uh, with a Bartline uh, M24 barrel. Um, got a Trigger Tech Diamond trigger in it, sitting in a uh, MPA competition chassis with a Vortex um, 4.5 to 27 by 56 on top of it. And it's one of the older ones with the EBR2C reticle in it still. Haven't made the uh, the leap to the uh, 7C reticle yet, but um, what else is there on there? I'm actually getting ready to switch it over to a impact. I uh, talked to uh, talked to Tate, been dealing with Tate, uh, and um, he's gonna get in, hook me up with an impact. So excited to get one of those because I like I when I went to the uh, Curtis um, the reason I wanted that action in particular for for one at the time when I bought it it was pretty affordable and cheap and um, the uh, I came from a Ruger precision rifle which has a a three lug uh, 70 degree bolt throw and then the Curtis of course has the 60 degree bolt throw and I thought it was important that it you know you keep your the bolt throw short and fast and you cycle the bolt super fast and you know now that I'm a little more experienced it's not uh, it's just not the most important thing you know the this the the 60 degree bolt throw has a has a shorter distance to you know recock the firing uh, pin and all that stuff so it actually takes more leverage to to lift the bolt on a on a dropped hammer on that thing so I, the uh, impacts are super good quality Tate's an awesome dude I want to support him and I think he makes a bit one of the best actions that there is to even buy so I'm pretty excited to get my hands on one of those my next barrel that is getting chambered right now at D2 will be for an impact so that's there one thing. There, there you go. I didn't know that. I thought you were sticking with your Curtis. That's pretty cool. Yeah, there's gonna be a lot of impacts running. That's what I'm running on mine. There'll be a lot of impacts running around here. But that's well, again, that's another Oklahoma company. I mean, right here, close, top notch yep. guy. And you just can't beat, you know, their their customer service. You know, impact is that's what they're known for. Is taking care of their customers, and and uh, I'm looking forward to running one of their actions cool that's, that's cool that's, that's news i didn't realize that yeah well we kind of just worked out the details of it um um at the vapor trail match cool so so now we'll, we'll, we'll get into what the 
basically what this episode is going to cover. So this, this one I'm going to ask you what you recommend for people, for rifles, calibers, glass, but this is going to be uh, factory ammo based. So this is for the new person trying to get into it that doesn't have the reloading gear and what you recommend to them. And I got some prices on here that you can, you can see, and we'll go over those whenever I ask the questions, but this will basically what you recommend to folks. And I know obviously you've recommended me who know, I mean, you probably can't even count all the people that ask you these questions right here. So this will hopefully help, help folks out that are listening that don't have someone to ask or are just trying to ask the question again or thinking about getting into it, whatever. But these are the questions that the majority of us get asked and try to answer. Well, if you're ready, we'll get into this thing. Let's do it. All right. So first one, recommendation for an off-the-shelf rifle caliber and ammo. So off-the-shelf, we're counting like 1500 bucks or less, basically. Um, oh, well, I don't know the exact prices of everything, but there's getting to be a lot of really good uh, offerings in the uh, – kind of factory supported rifles um i think for me from what i've seen uh in person that your budget depends on a lot of things if your budget's 1500 bucks i think the uh the tika rifle might be uh might be pretty good it's pretty close to that dollar that dollar mark um the uh ruger precision rifle is great um they're very accurate they're reliable they have uh you can put good magazines in them that'll function in dirty environments and uh they're, they're plenty accurate um i had a ruger precision rifle that was chambered in uh, 243 originally and it was like a solid half half moa half to three quarter moa gun in 243 um it was a gen one and uh the cool thing about them is they're, they've got a lot of upgrades you can do to them the uh ar-15 stuff for the most part just bolts right on them and you can customize it to how you want um you know the, the butt stock on them is a little bit it's adjustable, which is good, but it's a little, the levers and stuff on it are a little jankety, and uh, the handguard um, needs changed out, in my opinion, so you can have a flat bottom, so that it'll ride on bags and barricades better. But it's a it's got a good trigger in it. Um, and like I said, there's a lot of aftermarket parts, a lot of drop in barrels, that sort of thing. It's a it's a rifle that you can that can grow with you as a shooter pretty easily. So. I'm a fan of that one. That's what I did to kind of start being more competitive in the sport was playing around with one of those. Um, and uh, the Bergara is pretty good uh, if you're on a little bit tighter budget. Uh, only thing I've seen with those with like the HMR, um, I've had a couple of buddies that have had those. And it seems like when the uh, barrels get a little bit hot, the groups start to open up a little bit or maybe move around somewhat on those. Um, but uh, what else is there? The savages can be really accurate, but I've seen a lot of people have um, some uh, malfunction problems with those with magazines and uh, triggers and stuff. If uh, 
if you try to adjust the trigger too light or it gets a little bit dirty, I've seen people have problems with them. I had problems with one with mine with those same things. And then the uh, ejection, um, an well, ejection, you know, they're, they kind of are a little known to be a little bit weak on ejection when you want to spit the brass out, you know, leave your brass sitting on top of a magazine, that sort of thing can be real frustrating when you're shooting a stage. Um, but they, they can be very accurate. Um, I don't know of a whole lot of others that are in the 1500 range, but those are, uh, those are pretty good options, I think. Yeah, that's oh, the same. Oh, uh, and chambered, uh, 6.5 Creedmoor. You know, um, if you have a 308 already, come out and shoot it. But I don't think you're going to have as much of a good time uh, shooting a 308 or a 223 or something like that um, when you're coming out and getting started in matches because those calibers are a little bit at, at a disadvantage compared to some of the more modern uh, bullet options for, uh, you know, the six fives and six, six millimeters. So if you're going to be buying a gun to start out with, I would get a six, five Creed more or a six Creed more. Those have by far got the best, uh, um, offerings for factory ammo, um, for shooting long distance. Probably. I mean, if you're talking about being able to walk into Cabela's and, and, buy 200, 200 rounds of ammo to to shoot your gun, then uh, uh, 6.5 is probably going to be your best bet. And a 6.5 can definitely still win matches. Uh, wasn't that long ago, I think a guy won, a, won the Hornady PRC or took a really top finish with just a regular old 6.5 Creedmoor. He was hand-loading with it, but, uh, you know, the factory ammo from like Hornady and and uh, federal and all those is is really good nowadays. Prime, well, I think they're, I don't know if Prime's available right now, but uh, there's there's a lot of good options, you know. And you know that I've, there's been guys that have taken a factory rifle with, with Hornady six five uh, match ammo and shot like a mile with it. So that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's the same thing I had. Tika's, I like Tika's, every Tika that I've, I felt I've never owned one, but I've shot a couple that they're just smooth, super smooth. Um, RPR, they don't make them in left hand, so I've never really looked at it RPR for myself. I had the Savages like you were talking about. I also had some trigger issues with that Accu trigger. If you didn't pull straight back on that thing, you even touched any of the triggers, you would lock up on me. So I had a couple of issues with that, but. But yeah, and like you're saying, six five Creedmoor, three oh eight, six five Creedmoor, six Creedmoor. Um, I recommended an RPR to to Natalie Whip. You met you met her. I need to get her yep. out there shooting with us some more. I need to call her yeah, out on here. But I, I recommended her a six Creedmoor just because I knew she knew how to handle herself. She wasn't going to use it for hunting, and she shot real good with it the year that she was mm -hmm. out. So I got to get her back out there shooting mm -hmm. with us again. But. Mm -hmm. I think she's signed up to RO for me at the Box Canyon match. Yeah, I tried talking her into that. I hadn't talked to her since. So, yeah, she said she was going to come out and try and try and RO it. And my daughter and I are going to come out and RO for you. Awesome. Yeah, any, that. yeah, anything you can – that's why I've got on here. Anything you can run an AICS mag or an AW mag with. If you're top yeah. loading, I've seen people out. In fact, one of my buddies come out and in the beginning. I think I told this story that – he had a brownie 
and he was top loading. Now he was loading as many as he could, and he had some behind his ears and in his little wristband. So he came out and shot it and did all right. But it just was that a Conway? Yep, yep. I think I remember that guy. Yeah, yeah. He shot the one of the pro am. In fact, he won one of the barrels off the. Yeah. One of the barrels off of it, and he's mm-hmm. ended up building a BRA since then. But now he now he's not even shooting any competitions. But. But yeah, just like you're saying, six five Creedmoor, and that's what I started with, just because I could hunt with it. I was hand loading, so I could hand load hunting rounds and competition rounds with it, and yeah, it, it worked out great. But, I, yeah, I think if you're, I think if you're wanting a dual purpose rifle, um, that can shoot precision rifle matches and and be able to take it out hunting to where it's you know lightweight enough. Um, I think I think if you're wanting a dual purpose thing, the the, the six five is probably a better way to go than a six Creedmoor. I mean, a six Creedmoor can still kill a deer for sure, um, out to a good distance, but it's probably better to have a little bit more energy on target that the every bullet's going to have for you. Yeah, yeah, and that that's what like I say. I keep I go back to wit. She has that RPR and six mil. She had a. It's going to be a little harder, I think, to find ammo for a six creed more than it is a six five. Just be a six five, you can find just about anywhere. Yeah. So she had a little bit of trouble, but she'd end up buying two or three hundred rounds whenever she did find it, and then she shot all the all the matches she needed to shoot with it. But yeah, a couple <laughs> a couple of months ago, I was at uh, Cander Mountain. You know, when all the ammo shortages started to kind of go crazy, and everybody was buying toilet paper and ammo because that's all you need to survive <laughs> in 2020, apparently. But uh, I was in Gander Mountain, and they were sold out of pretty much every caliber you could think of, every sort of like practical, uh, um, you know, grandpappy's old 30-06 and 270. Like all that stuff was gone, but they still had 6.5 Creedmoor. So people, people still need to – I ain't waking up enough yet to how much better of a – of a cartridge that is and some of these older ones yeah yeah well i've got some buddies i've talked about too that no 270 will do everything i need yeah well for your game for the game that they're playing yeah just hunting but just hold at the top of the back at a thousand yards and you'll be good to go yeah 270 will do it all 150 core lock for life <laughs> and that's uh, my one buddy he don't listen to this so i talk a little bit of trash but yeah the core locks <laughs> like he swears by the core locks and the old uncle Uncle Tommy's 270 is like, oh man. Sure, I think 300 yards and it, it do the job. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the next one is uh, recommendations. For, I'm, I'm just calling it like a semi custom. So rifle caliber and ammo. And this is, this one's based on like the PRS production. So you're 2,500 bucks or under, which you, we get into these. And yeah, you can you can start getting some real nice rifles out of these. So, what would you recommend if someone they want to be competitive, but they still got a bit of a price limit? What's your recommendation then? Um, I think the uh, GA Precision PPR is probably the. It is basically a custom rifle built by GA Precision. They're one of the best um, gunsmiths in the country. They build you know, incredibly small shooting group rifles up there. And uh, I've sort of bought a PPR myself, but uh, 
it uh, was for the Southland shootout, and then actually KPRC owns it, and we're going to uh, raffle it away for the, the end of the year for the KPRC finale. Dang, but, nice. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a it is a slick slick rifle. It's got a defiance action on it, trigger tech trigger on it, manner stock. It's got a, a part line barrel on it. It it this one the one we've got for the KPRC is uh, full, yeah, chambered in six GT, and man, it, it is basically a custom rifle for a production rifle price. It's very very nice. Um, then just right there with it, you've got the uh, Masterpiece Arms um, production rifles they've got. I think they've got a couple of different options for them. And that one's really good because it's got all of the adjustability of the of their chassis system and all of the components that they make that can bolt onto it, a ton of different accessories. And, uh, and, you know, those are really solid rifles too. But basically almost, you know, you can buy a, a, uh, a Masterpiece Arms uh, production rifle that's basically the same rifle as my custom. And, uh, you know, they're, they're both uh, really, you could take either one of those rifles and go out and win a national level match with it. I'm 100% confident in the right hands. You could win, you know, national level matches with, with either one of those rifles. Other than that, I'm not real sure of who else is offering those top tier uh, production rifle guns that are those two. I think Kelby might make one. I'm sure it's pretty good. Um, but uh, I, I think those between those two, you couldn't go wrong. Either one. Yeah, yeah. That's that's basically what I had. GA Precision, I, I got right at the top, and then the six Creedmoor, even a six GT. You can find some six GT, obviously. They work with uh, Hornady a lot, so they're they're building guns and ammo together, kind of. So six GT or six Creedmoor and a GA Precision, I think. Yeah, like you're saying, it, so you put that in the right hands, and they can win a, a two-day national level match with their weapon. And then MPA, I've had that one on my list too. They make they make two of them. One's two thousand, one's twenty five hundred. I can't remember what exactly the difference is, but same thing. A six five Creedmoor, six Creedmoor three oh eight. Um, Seekins making makes one with a Bravo chassis. That's right at right at two grand. That'd be a good one. Yeah, Seekins would be good too. I think that's what uh, Dakota Base um, has uh, has a Seekins, and uh, I think he's put a custom barrel on it uh, since then. But uh, hang on, I'm trying to silence my notifications so they don't buzz. Oh yeah, yeah, Dakota. I know he was. Well, he was shooting a VA. Yeah, he's put a barrel on it since then. But yeah, AW Max, so nice Mag. Like, yeah, his gun could definitely shoot. And he knew how to shoot it too. He he did pretty good with that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then one. Oh, I forgot to mention one caveat on here. So we'll mention these rifles and builders and all this stuff. And it's just the one caveat. It's just like Ford, Chevy, and Dodge. Like, you ask one person, it's going to be usually going to be whatever they're shooting so don't don't take it for gospel but everybody's going to have a different answer but we're going to try and give you the the majority the listeners the majority of of what we've seen and, and what we know that works yep so yeah there's, there's a lot of good options out there if you're wanting to get into competition and your goals are to be competitive 
you want to, you know, be one of the top guys out there. Um, if you're going to, if you're looking at making a purchase, um, you definitely, you definitely need to be looking at a, a six millimeter of some sort. Um, that's kind of where the best ballistic coefficient to recoil uh, ratio tends to lie is within the six millimeters. You know, a lot of this uh, game is being able to uh, spot your impacts and uh, see where your shots are lying. And if they don't land in the center of the plate, you need to be able to see where that bullet landed in order to correct it to the center of the plate. And uh, shooting a six millimeter helps a ton with that because they don't recoil as much. And, you know, the less you come off the target when you break a shot, the better chance you have at seeing where that bullet's going to land. Yeah, I, re I remember you telling me, I don't think I told this story, I remember you telling me a spear point and I was shooting that 6.5 Savage and it was light. And anyway, I talked about how it, I'd end up looking at the clouds after I'd fired. Yeah, you, I remember you saying, well, get on target and don't pull the trigger until you're on target. I was like, oh, shit, that sounds easy enough. But I'd pull the trigger and I wouldn't see where I'd miss if I'd miss with a bad wind call or just a bad trigger press or whatever. But, yeah, get a six mil and you get up there in the, the 15 to 20-pound range and, man, it's a it's a whole new story. Yeah. If you yeah, shoot it, 308 or 65 Creedmoor, it's just – it's crazy how much – like you talk about fitting it to yourself – how much of a difference it makes. Right. If you're wanting to start out in the sport, you should get, you should buy every advantage that your budget allows. I, I think, you know, not everybody's got, you know, six, seven, eight thousand dollars to go, you know, drop on a custom rig. And unless you're really sure that you're going to, want to keep doing this for a long time i wouldn't do that i wouldn't recommend that to, to most people um, you know the path that i followed was just basically a little bit of, a little bit at a time and i upgraded over the years as my budget allowed and uh but everything that i bought that was cheap i sold for less than what i paid for it so but it would have you, you kind of have to balance out how much you're going to spend on getting into sport and, and just getting started because for almost everybody I meet that have, has come out and shot their first match and I've met a ton, I usually see them shooting out, shooting their, you know, second or third match after that. I haven't seen very many people that come out and, uh, and don't try it again. So, yeah, yeah that, was, that was one of them that I talked about with Chris and Chad. That I ask whoever asked me, I ask them right back. First question is, how serious are you going to be? You think you're going to get into it? If not, then shoot a 6.5 Creedmoor. The barrel's going to last a long time, let alone a 308. It's going to last about forever. A 6 Creedmoor, you're going to give up some of that, some of that barrel life. But if you're going to be, if you're a competitive person and you think you're going to get into it and stay into it, then a six Creedmoor is probably going to be what you want to go with. I think, yeah, it's just being honest with yourself. If, if you're competitive and you get hooked, you like guns, you like the competition, then, then yeah, you need to be, be honest with yourself on if you're going to get hooked up or not. Because like I said, I started with a six, five Creedmoor. I probably would have been better off going with a six Creedmoor. 
but at the time I didn't know what I didn't know. So, yeah, that just, I, I think it's just, just like I said, start with what your budget allows and how much of an investment you're willing to make into getting into shooting precision rifle because you won't meet a better group or a better group of people that are going to help you out with whatever you don't have. They, they've got, you know, it, it, we've, we, you know, it, when tripods started be, becoming popular in the sport, like, you know, maybe you'd have a squad, you know, one, one tripod per squad uh, with a, with a set of binoculars or spotting scope on it. And nowadays, like, you go through a, you know, each every squad looks like it's a forest of tripods. Yeah. You can't you can't walk a foot without tripping over one of them. And you know, so people, if you don't have all of the gear that you may think you need, somebody else is going to have it. And they're going to be more than willing to loan it to you. You know, I've got a pile of game changer bags, and I, you know, I I don't sell any of them because. Uh, you know, somebody might need them or I might get to a certain stage where I need a bigger one or something like that. But, you know, I've got a ton of stuff and I'm more than willing to, to loan it out to people at a match if they don't have it. Um, because that's what people did for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I talk about that. Yeah. If you don't have something, don't let that, don't that last up. Because I, I even had two different members loan me their rifles. They just, they give me their rifle the night before, told me to go out and shoot it. Like, People will be more than willing. Well, Derek's got how many bags out there in the Connex hanging up for anybody right. that anybody that needs it. You go in there, you grab one, you, you put it back when you're done, and no questions asked. Like, yeah, this just so he doesn't get too much praise over that. <laughs> Most of those were just left behind by by somebody at the range, so they just <laughs> oh, became, they just became donor bags. Oh, well, there you go. So someone, someone donated and now Derek lets, lets people use them on top of that. Right. No, Derek, Derek's given out, uh, he's given away uh, an incredible amount of time and, and money to this sport and the people around it. And, you know, most of us, uh, you know, most of the reason that the KPRC has grown so as much as it has, you know, I think is, has a lot to do with his, his range in Conway Springs there and uh, and so many people being able to come out and shoot it and have fun. So it's been a huge part. Yeah, yeah, I can't I can't praise him enough. He was one of them that loaned me loaned me his gun. I've taken his class. Um, in fact my brother, I didn't tell this deal, we we took the match grade reloading class and uh, my brother brought basically the wrong powder not the perfect powder. Mm-hmm. So we get out there to Derek's he's loading three thirty eight Lapua. And he brought, I can't remember if it was H1000 or Rotumbo, one or the other. Derek ended up giving him a, my brother brought a pound to use for the class. Derek basically ended up just swapping him, giving him a pound of yeah. whatever he really needed. And, and Kurt, my brother, switched him. So, I mean, he's just, he's just there to do nothing but help. He's the one that loaned me, loaned me a gun. He built 150 rounds for me while I was coming back on, a, on an airplane from, from my deployment just so I could shoot the KP. KPRC finale last year. He did all my loading for me while while D two was was building the gun for me while I was in the air. Like, yeah, I can't I can't say enough about Derek Love helping out. You helping out. He's been crazy. People, people like to give Derek hard time sometimes because uh, for whatever reason. And uh, 
but he's one of the most giving people in this sport and and people have helped him out the same so he's he's paying it forward you know i've, I've watched him bring an entire rifle and ammo for another competitor that, that had a problem for in the 2018 prs finale mm-hmm. you know and that was somebody that he was giving one of his rifles to another competitor to compete against Derek. Yeah. So, you know, this kind of guy he is. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I can't say enough. I want to try and get him on here too. He's, he's busy as a person could be. So try and get yeah. him on here. Yeah. So, so our last one here, all out full custom. And like I said, this is going to be the, the Chevy Ford Dodge debate. But in fact, you talked about some of it. So it sounds like you're actually switching it up, but full custom, Factory ammo rifle, what do you recommend? Uh, well, I mean, there's there's a lot of great options out there. Again, this is kind of like uh, if, you're, if you're wanting to build a custom, this is, again, kind of like my analogy of, you know, finding the right pair of shoes that fits you. And the best way to figure that out is to come out to a match – and check out people's rigs you know see what looks cool to you talk to people just about everybody will let you probably uh pick the rifles up and in you know look through them look through the glass and you can kind of see what stocks you like and and that sort of a thing there's a lot of really good options it's hard to to nail it down just to just a a few individuals uh, I think the impact actions are are probably one of the most reliable uh, ones you can get. They've got, uh, you know, it's a one-piece machined uh, action body with the integrated scope rail and integrated recoil lug and that sort of thing being built into the action, machined into the action solid, just eliminates the possibility of either of those things ever moving or coming loose on you when you're shooting a match. So that's uh, pretty important, but you know, the finances are good. The, you know, Curtis actions are good too. There's a, there's a ton of them out there, but I think when you talk to um, shooters and, and, Oh, I didn't even, didn't think about this at first, but one of the best way that you can uh, figure out what you might consider buying is to go to the uh, precision rifle blog and read the uh, what the pros use uh, articles because those are all surveyed from the top shooters in the country, and you'll kind of notice some of the trends of what's what actions, what triggers, what uh, what stocks that uh, what scopes that everybody is using that is actually going out and competing at the very highest levels in the country. And um, if you kind of look at those, you can get a pretty good feel for there's a reason that the top shooters are using those components and it's not because they're getting them for free because everybody that's one of the top shooters in the country, you know, getting, getting sponsorship deals and, and free parts and all that stuff is that's, that's all great and dandy. But what's more important to them is winning and they're not going to shoot something that they feel won't help them win. I know of, I know of one of the top shooters in the country that had a, a, a sponsorship, a 
pretty big sponsorship with a certain scope manufacturer, but the uh, scope wasn't living up to his standards, and that's not what he was running. The last match I shot him, saw him shooting. So, you know, it all you you, you can kind of see those trends on the on the Precision Rifle Blog website, and uh, make some informed decisions on that if you're wanting to go the custom route. But like I said, go try some stuff on, see what fits you, see what you like. You know, it's okay to, if you pick something that looks cool, as long as it functions, there's nothing wrong with that. If you like the look of a chassis, go with a Masterpiece Arms or a uh, MDT or a KRG, you know, those are all awesome. If you like the traditional stocks, then go with a Manners or a Foundation. Foundation's pretty trick. There's something special about that stock. They just feel different when you shoot them. Um, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of good stuff out there. As far as uh, what you want it chambered in, I think any of the any of the six millimeter uh, flavors can can win for you. I'm a big fan of the Dasher and the the BR based cartridges because they're just so dang accurate. Um, you give up a little bit of uh, energy on target, which at longer longer distances that can that can make a difference if you're not hitting the targets as hard or hitting the dirt if you miss you can make it a little bit tougher to, to spot but uh you know they've won a crap ton of matches and uh you know there's no denying the performance of of what the the 6br family of cartridges can do they are just hyper accurate and and that reduces your margin of error on target it helps yeah, that's basically everything I had to you. Like, you aren't going to no, – what the rifles – or what the rifles, what the pros use, exactly what I was going to bring up is, like you said, it, you don't just start being a pro. You start by using something, you paid for it, and you start by using it. You might go to something different, but you're not going to use something that isn't going to work. The pros aren't. So exactly like you're saying, look at the Precision Rifle blog, see what the pros are using, and they, they break down everything from triggers to muzzle brakes to actions and – and stocks and like you mentioned some people i i like the chassis i shot yours i like it i like the adjustability i like you can add stuff take stuff off some people are are stock people and they go with the manners or the foundation or mcmillan or whatever but yeah it's yeah. just like you're saying get out there and go to a you go to a match and you ask somebody if you can check something out nine and a half out of ten times they're going to tell you to go ahead check it out look through the scope if they got rounds left over just like you did for me, if they got rounds left over, they're trying to keep them on the same reloading cycle. They're going to let you shoot those last five or 10 rounds or whatever. So right. he's got to speak up and ask. And for calibers, I, my idea is if you're going full custom, then you're probably trying to be competitive or, or want to be competitive. So six Creedmoor, six GT, and any more, you could go with Clay's cartridge company and get a Dasher or a BRA and still shoot basically factory semi-custom ammo in a yeah. completely custom gun. Yeah, I think the uh, I think it's only a matter of time before some of the bigger um, ammo ma manufacturers pick up a six GT as a as a factory loaded option as well. The uh, you know with George Gardner and his influence in the industry and his his ties to Hornady. I mean Hornady's already making brass for the for the six GT, it stands to reason that they would probably 
be looking into manufacturing ammo as well. I'm not an expert or anything on that, but I just would, uh, it seems every other cartridge that George has kind of uh, spearheaded has turned into a factory option. So I would, I would suspect the 6GT will be, will be available on shelves um, before you know it. Yeah, that's kind of the natural progression with, with yeah, with George Gardner and Hornady working so close together, PRCs and everything else. It's, it's following the same line yeah. as those. So, so what, if anything, the, the pros and cons of each class, those three different classes that we, uh, that we discussed? Uh, well... So if we're starting from the, the the low end with the the factory fifteen hundred dollar and less options, you know, those obviously the the pros are going to be budget friendly. Uh, the uh, cons may be, you know, overall reliability and uh, and uh, accuracy of the of the package, and it being able to maintain repeatability and consistency when you're shooting rifle matches um but you know that doesn't mean they they can't do well uh but you're probably going to be unless you're very very talented and probably a little bit lucky i don't there's not very often are you going to see one of those uh options um uh, on top of the podium with the kind of competitors and rifles that people are um uh, using nowadays it's definitely possible but not typical. Um, the uh, the premium production rifles are kind of the best bang for the buck. Um, you're gonna give up some of the adjustability of uh, of full custom, and uh, you know if you if you buy one of those production rifles, you can certainly uh, customize it to your specifications. But if you were to invest in one of those, then kind of the idea behind them is to stay within the rules of the production rifle class for the PRS. And uh, so that might limit some of the, your your customization options on, on those. And, you know, you're only going to be able to get those in a set range of uh, calibers and cartridges and that sort of thing. So that's kind of the, the con with that category. And then the custom, the full blown custom thing, you know, the pros of it would be, you know, you can spec it out exactly how you want. Um, you can pick out every single little detail of it and uh, build that gun to suit your needs exactly. Uh, but the uh, obvious con was going to be is going to be priced for that. You know, you're going to spend uh, spend more money to, to to get all those little fine details dialed in. Yeah, yeah, that's the same thing I was gonna say. That obviously, the pro for that lowest level is you're you're saving some money. Um, I think you can end up outgrowing it, but just like you said, that that GA precision, I don't think you could outgrow that. You shoot it, then you rebarrel it to whatever you want. But that and the MPA, if you want a chassis, go with the MPA production rifle. If you want the stock, go with the GA precision. I don't think you can you can go wrong with either of those. Like mm -hmm. you're saying, if you if you want that actual personal custom hot rod feel, then you go the full custom. So, yeah, the uh, I think with the 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 the, the advent of the the twenty five hundred dollar 
production rifle, class rifle, I think really gets people a lot for their money. Um, you know, you've got you've got as much accuracy as uh, as any custom could give you, and um, with with those packages, you know, you you can buy a one of those packages and, and certainly get quarter MOA accuracy out of one. It's definitely definitely doable, and uh, you know they it can it can really be a good package uh, to perform well as you as you become more uh, adapted to the sport and your skills improve and you can you wouldn't really need to change much on another shoot barrels out and uh, stick new ones on yeah yeah and the one so here's the, the last the last bit which is I think is the hardest part that I've talked to people and in fact I was in the same boat the hardest hardest part to get them to to realize is a good scope dependent on what they're trying to what their their uh, price limit is and what what they're trying to do with it but what do you recommend for glass um you need to basically get the best that your budget will allow you um i had a lot of really good luck and performances with uh, my Burris XDR2 and those are about $800 now. Um, it got to the point where I was starting to see some gains to be had by upgrading to better optical quality glass um, when it came to shooting some of those longer shots or being in, in heavier mirage. So that's why I I upgraded to the uh, Gen 2 Vortex Razor. And, uh, but you want to buy as much scope as you possibly can because that's something that if you, if you cheap out on, you're going to upgrade later on. It's just inevitable, it seems like, in this sport. Everybody's is is swapping out scopes at some point so if you can I, I think kind of the minimum that you want to spend on on a scope for shooting precision rifle competitions is probably about a thousand bucks um you know give or take there there's some other scopes in there but that could be you know a couple hundred bucks less that might still do all right you know a couple hundred dollars more but you know you you really you get you get what you pay for and some of the cheaper options, you know, without naming any names, um, they're going to let you down eventually. Yeah. And, uh, and you, man, you really get what you pay for on a scope because you can, if I, if I took my, well, if I, you know, you can take a, you can take a really high quality scope and put it on a cheap gun and get better. Like if you take a, if you put a, you know, my scope, a Gen 2 Razor on a Savage that shoots one MOA, you know, you're going to do better than putting a, you know, a $500 cheaper scope on a gun that shoots half MOA, you know, because even if the, the scope is what 
translates all of the performance of your rifle downrange. You use that scope to dial mechanically to adjust your, your hold uh, to shoot longer distance targets and that mechanical uh, dialing needs to be it needs to be accurate and that's what you get with the higher quality scopes and then on top of that with the better glass in some of the higher end scopes you can see more information from the bullet and from mirage and, and all the uh, all the environmental effects that are happening uh, with a uh, with a higher quality optic than you could with the cheaper ones and you know if you can take a really good scope and center your one MOA group all the way out to a thousand yards, man, you're gonna do really good. You're gonna do really good if you can if you can keep that those those shots landing exactly centered up at all those different distances. You're gonna you can do well, but if you take a a, a cheaper scope that you can't see as well downrange and it doesn't track reliably when you dial it then your half minute, quarter minute gun isn't going to do anything if it doesn't, if the bullets don't go where you point it. Yeah. Or where, yeah. You're to, where you're trying to point it. And see, that's the, that's the exact same thing I've tried to explain to people. They'll, you know, they'll buy an RPR, 1200 bucks, 1000 bucks, and they want to put $500 scope on it, which I was the same way. I can see through it, it dials, it's fine. Well, if you can't see what you're shooting at, it's not, it's not worth whatever you put on it. So yeah, I've, I always rec I try to recommend. I'm a Vortex fan. Um, they give me a military discount. That's what I can afford. So at least a PST, a Bushnell, a Burris, and then obviously you can. The sky's the limit. You can go get a Tangent Theta for forty five hundred, five thousand. If you can afford that, then you know, go get that. But yep. yeah, you've got to be able to see what you're shooting at or find what you're shooting at in the shadows and everything else. Scopes are a little bit like the shoe thing too, you know, they, different glass looks different to different eyes. You know, if you're, in, if you're older and you don't have as sharp a vision as you may have had when you're once, when you're younger, uh, your reticle choice um, plays a, a ton into that. But, you know, you want to buy a scope that has a reputation for being uh, reliable uh, with tracking and uh, and has a reticle that you can use in competition that that uh, has what you need and not what you don't. You know, I'm not a big fan of some of the like the Horus style reticles because um, they just they're just there's just too much to look at. You know, if you take a shot, you come you come off the target you know, a mil or so or two mils or whatever it is, depending on the situation. And you've got this just big old jumbled Christmas tree blocking your view downrange of the of the target in the surrounding areas. You might not be able to see where your bullet lands. And uh, so I think it's important to reticle selection is a huge uh, part of that. You know, finding what uh, looks good to use is a, is a big part of selecting a scope too. But there's yeah. a lot of there's a ton of good options out there. You know, you want to um, – most of us shooting these competitions are shooting uh, burst focal plane, um, mill, uh, mill scopes, mill radian. And, uh, you know, it's not – it's not that that's – you know, 
if you're stuck on MOA and that's what you want to shoot, then that's fine. They both do the same thing. Um, it's just, you know, a, 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 a certain amount of measurements out of a, out of a degree is, you know, basically what we're talking about when we're talking about minute of angle or, or milliradians, you know, the minute of angle tends to be a little bit finer adjustment, but the numbers that you deal with in MOA tend to be a bigger number that it seems easier to communicate and understand and make corrections to your data if you miss a shot or need to make a correction to center the bullet on target seems easier to understand um, with mills rather than MOA, but that's a whole nother discussion that I'm probably not qualified to really argue. But if you, if you find yourself shooting an MOA scope in these competitions, you're going to, you're going to see that most everybody is speaking a different language that you're going to have to translate for yourself. Um, that, will kind of slow slow down the transfer of information um, when it comes to like talking about wind and, and, and all that. So I think that's, I, I would recommend most everybody if they're looking at buying a scope to go with a first focal plane. So that way, no matter what magnification you're on, your reticle is, is true and accurate. Um, and uh, that you go with a, a mill mill scope. Um, so that way, you're speaking the same language as everybody else on the firing line when it comes to your data and your wind holds and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Great, great point. Yeah, I've shot with some people with MOA, and yeah, it's it can be done. There's a little bit of math that you got to do or whatever, but yeah, if you're missing something and, and you get off the line and yes, where was you know where was that one shot? They're going to tell you two tenths, three tenths, and then you're going to try and do the math if you're doing MOA because, yeah, it's just what everybody's talking is mill. But. Yeah. But at the same time, like, if we were shooting bench rest and we were trying to center the smallest group possible on the target, on a paper target at 600 or 1,000 yards, then you probably need to have it. You need to have the finer adjustments that an MOA scope has versus, versus a mill scope. But for what we're doing, shooting steel targets – you don't need that. You want to build. Right, right. Build so military. Military grade is better, right? Oh, geez. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> I'll run, I run from that most of the time. <laughs> the military, grade, military grade should just mean the cheapest uh, cheapest bid, right? Yeah, yeah, lowest bidder. So, yeah, that's that's a whole other story. I can tell you all sorts of horror stories about that. Oh, um, man. You have anything else to add? Any shout outs? I really appreciate you coming on. Um, uh, well, um, no, I just want to say thank you to everybody that comes and shoots uh, KPRC matches and has come and supported the, the matches that I've put on. Um, I want to thank Derek Love for letting me set up a bunch of matches out of his, uh, his place. And, uh, you know, this – this whole community that the KPRC is um, is kind of the reason why I do the work. It's for the people, you know, and it, it isn't it definitely isn't for the money. Um, if it was for the money, then I'd be going, I'd be flat broke, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, I, it's, it makes it all worth it to, to set up a match and, 
people come out and enjoy it. I enjoy uh, people shooting matches, shooting the matches that I set up and, and having a good time uh, just as much, if not more than shooting matches nowadays. Um, and then uh, I just ask anybody that's uh, interested in shooting a really awesome uh, national level two day competition coming up. We've got the national rifle league uh, box Canyon showdown at Twin Peaks uh, Rifle Club. You can find that on uh, on Facebook and all that stuff. More information about the match, but it's going to be a killer, killer match. The uh, We've got two complete uh, different shooting ranges out there. Both, uh, both days will be totally different courses of fire, shooting all sorts of different directions, different wind calls, a lot of, uh, you know, a good mix of prone and positional shooting probably a, a de- probably about 60 percent of the match will actually be prone because with the terrain out there and um the different wind directions uh, that you'll be dealing with it'd be a pretty challenging match just shooting shooting on your belly at uh, all the different targets that we've got set up out there we've got like we've got 12 stages right now that are all troop lines that are four or more distances and targets on each individual stage. And some of those are positional it's, you know, some of them are just prone, but basically almost every single stage has uh, multiple targets per stage. It'll be, it'll be a killer match. And, you know, the entry fee for that is $250, which is cheap for a two day match. That includes uh, three meals and a SPF hoodie. And uh, you can get signed up for that match on uh, the National Rifle League website. I'm sure the Google will find it for you if you're interested in that, and we'd love to have you out. Yeah, that's cool. I can't I – can't, I wish I was shooting it, but like I said, daughter and I are going to come out and, uh, and RO it, and it sounds like Witt's coming out. I know Chad, I've had him on here. He's actually shooting it, so it's, it ought to be a great time. Well, like, hopefully, hopefully your, your million podcast uh, listeners or so will uh, – Catch on to it, and we'll be we'll be flooded with entry entries uh entries for it now. So yeah, we'll, we'll see. I'll get this. I'll get this posted up Friday or Saturday. You better be ready come Sunday to fill that thing up. Now, my agent, my agent told me that you're the Joe Rogan of Precision Rifle Podcast. Is that accurate? Oh, I wouldn't go that far. Your agent's lying to you. Oh shoot! All right, well I gotta go. <laughs> All right. All right. So one last thing, I actually have a uh, last thing I have to add is. Uh, my pay it forward deal for the spot and scope I was giving out that I ended up getting, I told that story. I ended up getting it from Augusta Reynolds at, a, at the KPRC pro-am. I got some, some binos now, so I'm going to give that out. So trying to get my random number generator up here and we'll announce it on here and try and make people listen to find out who won it. And then oh, awesome. Hey, um, Hey, I'm going to jump in on that. I've got a pair of uh, Vortex Viper 10 power binos that I've won at a, a match a while back. I'll put those put those in a giveaway too for you. Okay. When you want to, you want to do that another time, or you want me to do two numbers? Do it right now. Let's All right. Party. All right. Let's do it. So we'll go with uh, we'll go with the spotting scope. Will be this the first number. So our random numbers number six, Andy Archer. So Andy Archer is going to get. The Diamondback spotting soap that I picked up. So, Andy, 
send me a message and we'll get your, uh, I'll get your address and I'll get those in the mail. And let's go with number two here. Number two is 18. That's Greg Cannon. So I really appreciate it. Appreciate it being here. Uh, Greg Cannon is going to get the binos that you just offered up. That was a surprise. Huh? They're just laying in the center console of my truck right now. So I haven't used them in a long time since I've had some, uh, uh, had a upgrade to my binos. So man, I'll I get appreciate that. I really appreciate back. it. So Greg, get a hold of me and I'll get a hold of Beamer and we'll get those out to you. That was a, that was a two for deal there. So we got two, two folks getting some glass out of this whole deal. So Mike, like I said, I, I appreciate you coming on. I know you've answered these questions a ton. So hopefully now we'll, we'll have it on recording and, and you won't get asked as much. But I'm sure, I'm sure people are still going to be hitting you up. Thanks for having me, Jared. Yeah. Any last parting shots before we take off? Come shoot a match. Let go of your ego. Understand that you're probably going to miss some shots, but you're going to hit some too. And you're going to have fun. And it's a great group of people. And every time that you wait longer to come shoot a match, you're just missing out. So come out and shoot. Yeah. Good call. Good call, Mike. Thanks for coming on, man. Mm -hmm.